Hi, everybody. This is Pastor Tim from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire. This is our weekly podcast of the sermon from the prior Sunday. Normally at this time, I have invited everybody to join us for worship at 8, 30, and 11. Uh, but right now we're in the midst of the global pandemic, and so we are not having worship in our building at 8, 30, and 11. Instead, you can find us online doing virtual worship using Zoom. You can find the information for all of that on our website at www.htelc.com. You can also like us on Facebook. And uh, those are the two primary ways in which to find our links to have worship with us. So it doesn't matter where you are, as long as you have an internet connection, you can join us for worship. So thank you for listening. We hope that you find the sermon meaningful and purposeful, that it connects to your life and how you interact with the world. And most of all, it reveals God's infinite love for you and all of creation. The Gospel reading today is from Matthew 10, 40-42. Whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. Hey, good morning, Holy Trinity. Here we are again back in the uh, narthex or the gathering place of the uh, of our building. I got the whiteboard here. I don't know how long I'm going to be continuing to use the whiteboard, probably as long as it is. I still feel it is helpful, and I think it's going to be helpful for us again today. So you just heard the gospel lesson. It's a short one. Only three verses, uh, Matthew 10, 40 through 42. And it is a conclusion of what we've been hearing for the past three weeks. If you remember when we talked about a few weeks ago, we said we are entering into ordinary time. And that ordinary time is when we get into the ordinary life, you might say, uh, life and times of Jesus. We're not dealing directly with his death Uh, resurrection or birth, the way so much of the church year is set up. But now we get into maybe the nitty-gritty of Jesus' life and his dealings with the disciples and everybody else who he interacts with. And we had said that first passage or group of passages now, when we get into ordinary time, has to do with gathering together the people of the promise and sending them out to gather other people of the promise, to remind them of what they are uh, here to do. And we're at the conclusion of that. So if you remember three weeks ago, we started with Jesus saying, go out, don't go to the Gentiles. Let me phrase it that way. Don't go to the Gentiles, but only go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Remember those people of the promise of Abraham who maybe have forgotten what they were called to do and who they were called to be. So go out to them and gather them up. And then last week, we got into a little bit, as they go out, what they might encounter or what they might be doing. Uh, We talked about uh, things that will covered, will no longer be covered. And we talked about as people of uh, the faith, as people of followers of Jesus, our job is to peel back those layers. What are those lies we have been telling ourselves? And what are the lies the world has been telling themselves? and to expose those lies 
uncover what has been covered. And we talked about that in Theology of Glory versus Theology of Cross. And Theology of Cross, us, are those who expose the lies that we tell ourselves. And then we also went on to talk about uh, as we go about bringing that, t- exposing those lies, that's going to be devices. We talked about the difference between God's peace and the peace we want, or we call the cheap peace. And God's peace is a bit divisive because we'd rather live those lives. We'd rather believe those lives because it's a lot more comfortable. And we don't want to admit the truth. There's a reason why certain things have been covered up because we don't want to have to deal with it. And so part of the job of the people who Jesus is sending out to gather in the lost house of the sheep of Israel is to expose the lies we've been telling ourselves and to remind ourselves we are people that are striving for God's peace, not for cheap peace. So we continue or come to the conclusion of these three sections of these three sections, that's tough to say, it's in some alliteration, is what is commonly known as the missionary discourse. Missionary discourse, you're being sent out. Now it's a little misleading because normally when we think of missionary, it is people that are going out to the unbelievers, right? It's, I'm a missionary, I'm going up to some far distant land where they haven't heard of Jesus before, And I'm now going to bring them the good news and convert them in. We don't need to get into uh, those kind of specifics, but this isn't that kind of missionary. This discourse, again, is reminding people of the promise for the people of Abraham what they are called to do, and now we're at the conclusion of it. And the way it concludes is very empowering. It is, who are you sent from? How many people had to take geometry in high school, right? I remember having to take it uh, my sophomore year. I did fine. I wasn't a math. um, It wasn't my favorite subject. It wasn't my worst subject. Geometry, I didn't really care for. Um, But do you remember having to do proofs in geometry, right? It'd be you would have to show how one thing is equated to another. And a common one is if we have two parallel lines... And that, and they're dissected, and we have angles one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, right? And we know X and Y are parallel. Can you prove two and seven are equal? They are the same angle, right? That's a proof. And so you'd have to know well, if X and Y are parallel, and you just follow these steps and you say, if A is B and B is C, all that stuff, well, then A has got to be the same as this, right? So that's a proof. And I think in a way it's following these steps to show how two things are connected. And that is what Jesus is doing here. Listen to these words he says. He sends the people out and someone has sent Jesus. So I'm going to say that someone, God, one who sent me, right? Sends Jesus. Jesus sends the disciples, which means what can you infer 
What can you deduce or what can you prove between these two statements? The one who sent Jesus sends disciples, right? There's this direct line that Jesus is making again. The one who sends Jesus sends the sends Jesus. The one Jesus sends the disciples. The one who sent Jesus sends the disciples. It's a direct line that goes out, and I think that's really powerful. It's reminding the people this isn't just you're not just disconnected from everything else going on out there. There's a direct connection, a direct line between the one who created everything and what you're being asked to go out and do. So then this actually continues because Jesus ends it with, and I think this is the most, this is what I really like about or whatever, right? Um, it goes to those who receive you in your name, or let me say this, if they give a cup of cold water to a little one in your name, cup of cold water in your name. So we have this one, and I erased it, but it goes, the one who sent me to Jesus, Jesus to the disciples, to the disciples, to the one who was received, and the one who receives the disciples, they are giving a cup of cold water in your name to the little ones. So if we want to keep this going, it all starts with the one who sent Jesus, and it ends in a cup of cold water to a little one. The one who created it all comes in a form of cup of cold water to a little one. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know if this is the way the world works, right? And let's talk about this little one for a little bit. We are not referring to children here. Although, not specifically children, it could be kids in some respects, but little ones are the ones who don't matter or don't count the ones who don't have a voice, the ones who are just kind of pushed off to the side, you don't have value in our society. Those are the little ones. And a direct result of the one who sent Jesus means we should be interacting with these little ones, the ones who society says do not matter. And this is how we are to treat the ones who society says do not matter. A cup of cold water. Now here's my question. Where do they get a cold water from? <laughs> if I want a cup of cold water, I am really fortunate. I can go to my cabinet, take out the cup, I push the button on my fridge, I can get ice out of it, right? And then I push the other button right next to it and filtered cold water comes out. It is so easy, I take it for granted. We are living in a day and age, there wasn't refrigerators. There wasn't the gas station down on the end of the corner where I can go by in that big fridge that sits outside or in the corner of the gas station and get a 7, 10, 20 pound bag of ice. There aren't those things. This is an extravagant, extra, I want to make sure I spell it right. An extravagant idea for people of no value. God sends those out to do extravagant things 
out of simple ways to those people of no value. And this isn't the way the world works, is it? I was doing some, uh, I came across this article the other day. How many people ever watched the Oscars before? Right, you've watched the Oscars. Generally every February comes on, it's a Sunday night, there's some big host. I think last year they didn't do any host, but that's besides the point. And we honor the people who star in these movies or create these movies, all that stuff like, you know, there are gift bags that go out. Do you know how much a gift bag is worth that goes to the nominees, best actor and actress, best supporting actor and actress, and to best director, nominees, not just those who win, but the nominees. A gift bag goes to them in the value of this last one. We should play, if we were in Sanctuary, I'd play higher or lower. Remember we've done that before with uh, uh, the old Price is Right game, higher or lower. We can't do it right now. A value of $225,000. That means there are 24 gift bags for 5.4 million. Unbelievable. Now they aren't given by the Oscars or Academy, but it's another company that comes and does this. But the whole point is, if we have this before from Jesus, right? We give the extravagant to those who have deemed no worth or no value to society. We live in a world in which we actually do so much of the opposite. We take those people who we have deemed valuable and we give them even more. Here's another way in which it is showing up in the world today, right? We're in the midst of this pandemic. The lockdown started on March, approximately for the U.S., March 18th. In that time, billionaire wealth, I'll make sure I get it right, has risen... We can do another uh, uh, higher or lower. $565 billion. And we've talked about during this time how the economy is tanked. Jobs have been lost. Uh, you know, people's lives have been upended. And in some ways, my fear is going to get worse because at some point, right, and if I was just having a conversation with somebody, up until now, landlords haven't been able to evict when people haven't been able to pay because they've lost their job because of the pandemic. But that statute is about to end here at the beginning of July, end of June, beginning of July. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I'm just saying those who are bearing the worst of what's going on are those who can least afford it. Because now they've lost a job, they cannot pay, and while we've protected them for a little bit, and I understand I'm not saying uh, uh, those landlords should have to go on and, and shift the brunt to them. All I'm saying is those who are struggling to get by, and probably even those landlords, many of them are bearing the brunt of what's happening those who we deemed of least value are not being treated extravagantly in many ways, while those who already have a ton 
are getting a ton more. This is the world in which we are sent out into, right? This is the world that Jesus is gathering up his followers and sending us out into to proclaim a new way of life, a new way of living, a new way of loving. This is what we are called to do. This is the missionary discourse. It's not that we don't want new followers, but our goal, I don't think, is new followers. Our goal or our purpose, let me put it that way, is to live life in God's kingdom. And I think if we do that, there will be new followers because there's things that people are craving. But it's not going to go smooth because, man, if the world is working well for me right now, I don't want it to change, right? We've talked about that last night. But at the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ is about a transformation that goes on within us to propel us to live differently because we see differently. We see our neighbor differently. We see ourselves differently. We aren't playing a game of how can I get more. Instead, we've said that game doesn't matter and we are simply freed to love. In fact, the Romans reading we had beforehand, and I was going to do a whole thing on this, on Martin Luther's freedom of a Christian and, and a whole other aspect of Lutheran theology, but this took precedence of it. But here's what I want you to remember when it comes to our faith, and really, if you ask me... Um, so much of, of something called freedom of a Christian that Martin Luther wrote comes down to this. Freed from, to be freed for. We are freed from sin, death, greed, anger, violence, revenge. To be freed for love forgiveness, compassion, and empathy. We are people just like people throughout the centuries, throughout the millennia, who have forgotten, who get caught up in a whole other way of living, a whole other system that is man, is it, is it seductive? It lures you in. I am guilty of it. And I am continually compelled to come back to what we call church, to what we call worship, to what we call Christ. Because I feel I'm desperately seeking a way out because that keeps leaving me empty. Yes, it satisfies for a moment. But yet it needs to be replaced. Jesus is reminding us of who we are, what we are called to do, and that God isn't off distant somewhere, but it's directly God to Jesus, us, right? It's all connected. You are connected to Christ. You are connected to the one who sent Christ. May you feel that connection today and every day that is to come. Amen.